What is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome to the Full Court Press College Basketball Podcast. It is Friday, February 12th. I'm your host, Mitch Davis. You can follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight. Like and follow the Facebook page, The Mitch Davis Show as well. And also head on over to the website, TheMitchDavisShow.com. You can also find the podcast wherever you like to listen to your podcast. We've got two of them. By simply typing in the Mitch Davis Show or the Full Court Press Podcast on everywhere you like to listen to your podcast, you can find access to both podcasts by typing in either Full Court Press or the Mitch Davis Show. On today's podcast, we're going to be joined by Katie Pate, very special guest. She has been around college basketball her entire life. An excellent interview. She is the Senior Associate Athletics Director of External Operations. For Longwood University, she's also a play-by-play uh, analyst for ESPN+. Plus. She's a former coach, former player, everything in between. It's going to be a really, really fun interview that I know everybody could enjoy. It's just a good college basketball interview. We talk a little women's basketball. We talk a little men's basketball. Gonzaga, Baylor, Final Four picks. We talk about it all here on the Full Court Press College Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Davis. Be sure you can follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight. Like and follow the Facebook and Instagram pages by simply typing in The Mitch Davis Show. Also, you can head on over to the website as well, TheMitchDavisShow.com. And at this time, I would like to welcome our very special guest, Miss Katie Pate, to The Mitch Davis Show and the Full Court Press College Basketball Podcast. And I know you guys will enjoy this interview about college basketball. We literally talk about each and every team, an in-depth look into the great game of college basketball. Yeah, nice. This is a, this is a nice start to my day. I am joined now by Katie Pate, Senior Associate Athletics Director, ex- External Ops at Longwood University, and ESPN Plus broadcaster who had an exciting game last night. How are we doing, Katie? Well, I've got, you know, I need to be drinking some tea. Instead, I'm drinking Coke Zero. You can tell that I'm not, I'm not a true broadcaster because that, that I'm breaking all sorts of protocol by drinking caffeinated beverages right now, but coming off of a pretty cool, pretty cool night last night. Let's talk about that night last night because it, I, I tell you what, it was a weird ending to a college basketball, a weird but exciting ending. So if people don't know, they can find it on your Twitter, my Twitter, every basically everywhere you find college basketball, you'll see that highlight. So what happened was a Longwoods player hit a game-winning shot with five seconds to go on the clock from midcourt without any knowledge of the game clock. He could have, you know, he had an open lane to the basket. Talk about that and what kind of went into those final seconds there. Yeah. So of course, in that the last couple final possessions. Um, uh, Cornwall for Gardner Webb University, just great talented guard. Um, took a runner, runner trying to to uh, kind of put an exclamation point on Gardner Webb's performance. Missed it, a little bit of a long rebound, and Deshaun Wade for of course Longwood, kind of big guard, gets the rebound. And you know, in, in my coaching mind, he turns around and he he's of course looking at the other end tiny, tiny piece of human error, the shot clock was not turned off. And so there were two seconds left on the shot clock, but as you said, nearly five seconds left on the game clock. So as this kid turns around and he looks at the other end, he sees the big number two instead of the like 5.2 seconds above it. And he takes a couple dribbles and he launches it from half court. 
And of course it's the, you know, it's the coach's worst nightmare. It's the, no, I mean, even Griff Aldrich's reaction is priceless. He told me after the game, he didn't even see the ball go in. He swung around, you know, lunged over at the waist and was like, oh my God. And the freaking thing went in. So, you know, he hits this game winner um, as a result of kind of this, this funny little clock quirk. And, uh, um, you know, and of course, um, Cornwall dribbles it off his shoe, but um, it could have gone real sideways, Mitch. I mean, we ended up throwing the ball into the backcourt on the final possession. Gardner-Webb steals it, and of course, they just missed three at the buzzer. So, um, but uh, the storyline made for some interesting social media and uh, ESPN presence last night for sure. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure I was watching the Sports Center and I heard your voice and your name called out on the Sports Center. How did that feel to be talked about by Scott Van Pelt? Well, you know, you and I both know because we're kind of these sports savants. And so trying to explain to the Longwood University public relations folks over here, I'm like, guys, this was more than just a number one play. I'm like, Scott Van Pelt broke down the entire action. We were on campus tour. You can't pay for this kind of publicity. You know, even last night, Mitch, I watched all the way until um, they do their promo run out for Sports Center in Los Angeles. And the start of, of the action footage is me screaming, oh my God. <laughs> and it's wrapped up with my play-by-play partner, TJ Wingert, saying, oh my word. And, you know, he's he's a young man that's just just fantastic and and um, um, I'm, does this much more professionally than I do, but it was pretty sweet. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> so jumping over to this college basketball season, it's been a weird season. And, and you know, we were talking about your job as athletics, you know, in the athletics department as kind of overseeing the COVID protocols. Short term, what is going on? You know, what, I mean, I, like I said, I don't envy your job right now at all. Mm. It, you know, it's, it's a day by day. And, and I think the part, there's quite a few parts that I think are really difficult for, for folks to understand um, because you're seeing different decisions being made very differently, depending upon where your school is located. Um, there's just a, a myriad of things that have to be taken into context. Where's your, where's your campus in its position and, and how they're dealing with COVID, it's your local community, um, your, your state health officials, of course, CDC guidelines and regulations. Um, and, and as we're approaching kind of the spring sports season, you know, basketball um, is considered a high risk sport. So there are some real heavy testing protocols that each of these teams and conferences have been managing, um, not quite to the extent that we'll see with the NFL or the NBA, but um, really a lot to be done to try to get in as many games as possible. And it feels like there's been a major upheaval, but believe it or not, nearly 84% of all men's and women's division one college basketball games to this date have been played. Um, You know, we just hear about these games being postponed. So um, there's just, there's so much going into it and people are starting to get creative. I'll give you an example. Contact tracing is where, you know, this is where coaches and folks are trying to figure out, okay, we can kind of bubble our team a little bit. And so you'll even see things where a team might arrive in four vans, you know, instead of one big bus. And so all these, all these different things to try to manage your squad, certainly here in mid-February as we head into um, what hopes to be at least some version of postseason play. 
Now that leads into this next question: conference tournaments. Everybody's been, everybody has an opinion. It, it seems like you go on Twitter, Facebook, wherever, everybody's got an opinion about conference tournaments. As a operational standpoint, where are we right now with the conference tournaments? And we know NCAA tournaments are happening. And then in your personal opinion, should the conference tournaments be played? Yeah, I'll start with the latter part of the question. I, I absolutely think that they should be played. I think as long as we are committed to the health and safety and the well-being of the student athletes and staffs and operations folks and the officials. I mean, there's a lot of layers to this, but we've seen some success already. Um, there's, you know, you got to remember when this thing got shut down last year, Mitch, I mean, we're, we're that quickly approaching that day when, you know, the NBA pulled the plug, it was, it was a domino effect. It happened so fast, you know, players were pulled off the court in their conference tournaments. Um, I think when, Whatever we can do to find a way to make these tournaments happen, we, we really need to do that. Now, from an industry standpoint, do I think they're going to happen? I do, but they're going to look way different. <laughs> so when you think about, you know, use the ACC tournament, for example, I mean, that thing's a wild ride, right? You know, and the fans and just the experience and, you know, these, these tournaments occupy cities for days at a time. I mean, the industry and tourism um, and hotels and, and food and all those different types of things really play into an experience for fans. Uh, that's, that's obviously not going to happen. So what we're really doing is we're getting to the root of all of it, which is just basketball, right? Um, you might see some venues that will have a, a small smammering of fans, some conference tournaments, depending upon how they're, how they're rolling out, how their tournaments going to work, maybe completely fanless fans might be required to test. Um, so I, I do think that, that the NCAA's commitment to this whole process is, is very heavy in terms of we've got to find a way to get these teams into these brackets. Now, do you think these conference tournaments could be played in smaller venues? Let's take the ACC or the SEC tournaments. ACC is usually played in Greensboro Coliseum. SEC is played in Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, two of the biggest arenas in the country. Do you think they could possibly be played on campus? Let's take a Rupp Arena at Kentucky or a Carolina, the Dean Smith Center. Could those be moved to those arenas? I, I think when when I think of like the Power Five conference tournaments, um, it just kind of feels like those leagues are so far removed from the old school way of conference tournaments. And we'll, we'll talk about maybe some of the smaller leagues here in a second on how they're making that happen. Um, I certainly don't. I think they could be played there um, in, in the essence of fairness and equity and home court advantage, although there probably aren't going to be a lot of fans anyway, um, I would imagine that that those conferences are probably probably remain pretty committed to a neutral site of some kind. Um, the other thing, of course, with the neutral site is that from a safety standpoint, when you're on a college campus, you have to consider there's a whole lot of college students <laughs> that don't play basketball. So, so you're having to monitor a population that, frankly, to this point, has been very difficult for college administrations to, to try to navigate the traditional student and, and trying to make sure they're making good choices. So there's a little bit of safety, I think, in, in having a neutral site. Perhaps it's a smaller neutral site, but um, uh, they can almost bubble those facilities and try to protect um, the student athletes and the coaches. Now, what about a conference like the Big South? What, what are you guys going to do to keep everybody safe now? Yeah, we talked about this a second before we started. Um, it's, 
old school. This is a higher seed tournament. Um, I'm fortunately or unfortunately extremely familiar with this kind of a format. So you, you know, you, you seed everybody out, your top five seeds are going to get buys, but all of the higher seeds are going to host games at home. So you're going to be at home. I think we're probably 90% at this point, our league is fanless uh, for the most part, but um, you know, you imagine it, if you're, as you go through this, you're, unless you're maybe a, a one or two seed, you're going to be traveling quite a bit after that first, that first round, if you're hosting. And so um, you're on the road a lot, you've got to be able to win with travel. Um, it certainly plays great favor to your top two seeds, probably top three seeds in particular, of course, um, in the big South. I mean, Winthrop university is hugely dominant at this point. I think they've just lost the one game on the season to UNC Asheville. Um, but, uh, certainly is the force to be reckoned with perhaps could even qualify for an at-large bit if they didn't win the conference tournament, but, um, it, it, uh, it's very different. So it's, I think, in fact, um, originally the big South conference had moved the conference tournament to Bojangles Coliseum in Charlotte, neutral site, city of Charlotte, a little bit more of a, of a destination COVID happens. And now we're going to, we're going to go back to the old way, the really, really old way. <laughs> yeah. Now switching gears a little bit, we're going to start with the women's side of basketball. And I got to ask you about the top three teams before we get over to the men's side, there really doesn't seem to be any team that's close to these three teams. UConn, South Carolina, Louisville, those three teams are far none better than everybody else. Talk about those three teams and what you expect. And out of those three, who's going to win a national championship? Jeez, man, that's a that's a great question. <laughs> um, you know, obviously this week, women's basketball is coming off of the South Carolina-UConn game. Um, kind of a not a real high-scoring performance between South Carolina and UConn, but definitely – I thought displayed in, in Paige Buecher, the freshman for, um, for UConn, a sign of what's to come um, on the women's basketball side and the type of players that are coming through. Probably a sign of a little bit of return to normalcy for UConn um, and head coach Gina Ariema. You know, the thing with Louisville is they've got tremendous guard play as well, and they play so darn fast. I know they took the loss to NC State at home, um, there in Louisville. It was a tremendous win for the Wolfpack. Um, again, kind of an up-and-coming program. Head coach Westmore doing a great job there. I really think that that it's, it's a straight coin flip. Um, I, I do think some of the youthfulness of UConn might put them at a little bit of a disadvantage. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Louisville um, speeds their way right in there and might sneak in and steal this one. I think a lot of people in the Bluegrass would like to see Louisville win, especially given the current trajectory of UK basketball and uh, UL basketball. It's been a rough year in the bluegrass. It's been, it's been a so rough year. We're, gonna, right? we're actually going to talk about that because you're a former coach and I want to get your take on this whole Duke, Carolina, Kentucky thing, because this thing is, it's spiraling out of control. What do you think is going to be the solution? Is, is the one and done the, the, the real deal or people need to go back to old school recruiting? Well, it, it's, I think there's actually a broader question and this thing, one of the questions, Mitch, that I've been asking <clears throat> the men's coaches 
um, when I do pregame interviews for broadcast this season is let's talk about recruiting specifically and what's happening because of COVID. So let's kind of, we'll, we'll back it up because I think there's two things at play with the, with the teams that you mentioned. You got the one and done in the NBA side, but then now you've got to pepper in what's about to happen to the high school classes of 2020 and 2021 and including the JUCO classes in that mix because the NCAA has issued this blanket waiver so that every single basketball player across the country regardless of classification, gets this year back. So anybody that was a senior that would go, you know, grab that diploma, you know, or, or perhaps um, even someone that might've considered the draft that was like, eh, should I, or shouldn't I? But now they have another year to get their stats up, get more film. Um, it's, it's really going to factor into how recruiting is done in the next five years because of these two classes. You're gonna see an abundance of talent and less scholarships because teams are going to retain veteran players, right? So it's that's gonna make for an interesting kind of outlier in this conversation. And I've heard that consistently, you know, to, to your point with, with um, you know, talking about Kentucky coaches and had a great chance to have a conversation with Tubby Smith when High Point was here and and kind of what what that's going to look like. And there's all sorts of models starting to come up. They're talking about top AAU programs becoming these short-term prep schools. It's, it's going to be pretty, pretty interesting to see how that, ha- how that all works out in the next five years. I, I think just based upon the NBA's position, the growth of the league, um, of course, there's been a little bit of a dip, but there's been a little bit of dip in viewership in all the professional sports. But the NBA really seems to have a model that's working right now. Um, in order to help maintain that model, they need to maintain their level of talent. And if that talent is going to come from the college level early, you know, more power to them. I used to be a, a um, kind of a hater way, way, way back. I'm like, no, kids need to stay in school. And, you know, and then we you know, run across somebody. No other business does that. You think about what what Major League Baseball does. I mean, you've got you got kids being drafted out of high school consistently. So, um, you know, my stance is is really as a, as a coach. I mean, you've got to go into the process knowing it's almost like being a junior college coach. I got guys for two years, you know, and how how do I build and grow a chemistry and a system? that's going to work within that, I don't see it going away. I really don't. I think how coaches manage it, that's that's perhaps where you really get into the weeds to figure it out. I've got two more questions for you. This next question is kind of the same as the women's side of college basketball. Gonzaga, Baylor, and the men's side, you've got Gonzaga's offense that is the best in the country going against Baylor's defense, who's the best in the country. Talk about that. Who's going to win a national championship? Because it really does seem like those two teams are unbeatable. I know obviously – Anything can happen in March Madness, but as of right now, Gonzaga Baylor one and two. Sags, I gotta go with Gonzaga, you know, and and I mean, and and hats off to Baylor. I mean, you talk about a men's basketball program that has just grown leaps and bounds over the last several years, and really turned into um, an X factor in the conversation um, in all sports. I mean, obviously, you're talking about women's basketball too and football, but um, I, I love what what coach few does at Gonzaga. And, and here's, here's one of the things that I think is particularly favorable for them this season, offensive prowess. Absolutely. But I think it's some of the things that they do off the floor. I think this is a humble group. I think that this is a group that um, doesn't necessarily require all the flash and flair. You know, they'd be comfortable playing in that small gym 
or playing in, 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 a, in a facility of cardboard people. Um, I, I think that that's a, a well a well connected group. Um, obviously, great interior play. Um, there and they've been there and they've been there for a while. They're used to postseason appearances. They've gotten close a number of times. I don't. It just feels like their time to me. Now, the last question I have for you: You've been around the game of college basketball, women's college basketball, college basketball, it, everything in between. What does college basketball as a whole mean to you in all your years of service to college basketball? That's everything. It's everything. Um, I, I often joke, um, here's an, okay. So ESPN, you know, you can do brackets, right? Um, of course I always have to click the part where you can't win anything because of NCAA rules, but I, every year I think you get to do a max of it's either 12 or 15 brackets. And every year I do every single bracket. I fill out as many as I can. I challenge my friends. Um, I, I hunker down for the first, the first two rounds that, that, that whole, you know, the, those few days. And it's like Christmas, Mitch, for me, it, it is the greatest time of year. Um, it, and it doesn't matter who's playing. I, I can act completely insane and it be a, a, a team that, you know, I mean, you, of course I'm working with Griff Aldrich here who was on the staff at UMBC with Ryan Odom and small world Ryan and Odom and I were both head coaches at Lenore Ryan university. So Ryan, you know, flipped that thing around in a season, took the UMBC job and ends up being the 16 seed and, and changes history, you know, rewrote the record book. And, um, you know, it's games like that. It's the buzzer beaters having a chance to see obviously Marshall find success against Wichita state, Great, great game. Um, all the games, you know, being at Georgia State and on those staffs and, and watching Ron Hunter and his guys and, and his son hit the shot and, and Coach Hunter falls over off of his Achilles, ruptured Achilles wheelchair. I mean, it's, it's priceless. You can't, it's the best stuff I've ever seen. So we got to have it this year. In yeah. some form, we got to have it. You know, I tell you what, I think I, on the wreck, I think you and I just became really good friends because March Madness <laughs> is like, you know, I tell everybody, don't don't call me, don't text yep. me. I set up like four or five TVs. I'm watching every game, you know. And, and like you, I fill out 20 brackets. I go on ESPN, fill out the 12 there, and then I go out, fill out yep. three more, and then I get a hard copy newspaper here in a commercial appeal. They do a hard copy, and mm-hmm. I'll go through and I'll start filling out, you know, my dream bracket. And usually I'll pick Memphis to win it or Kentucky. Or oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just so much fun, you know, and, and like you said, we needed uh, we needed an NCAA tournament this year after the crappiness that's going on this yep. year. She yep. is Katie Pay. Tell them how they can follow you on Twitter. All your excellent tweets, all your excellent work. <laughs> Tell them where they can follow you on Twitter. So Twitter is at Coach Katie Pate, and Pate is P as in Paul, A as in Adam, T as in Tom, E as in Echo. Um, I mostly just um, put up cheesy, ridiculous sports stuff, um, and uh, just have a good time following some awesome people. Hey, thank you so much. You have been listening to the Full Court Press College Basketball Podcast with your host, Mitch Davis. You can follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight. Like and follow the Facebook and Instagram pages by typing in The Mitch Davis Show. Also, very huge special thank you to our very special guest, Miss Katie Pate, for coming on the podcast today to talk all things college basketball. It's a really, really fun interview that I know each and every one of you will enjoy. 
and enjoy your weekend as we close out this podcast. Enjoy your weekend full of college basketball, good food, and if you're willing, have some good family time as well. There's a lot of great games on this weekend, and we're going to have you covered at themitchdavisshow.com, also on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at MitchDavis underscore eight on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at the Mitch Davis Show. You can also email me at the Mitch Davis Show at AOL.com. Have a good weekend, folks, and enjoy some good college basketball as we get ready for March Madness.